Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. It's 106 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer from the home office today. Cody Jansen pinch hitting for Brendan Escott. This is Oilers Now, brought to you by Digitex, who wish you and yours all the best during these uncertain times. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Second hour of the show, uh, two guys that I see a lot of during the course of the season, uh, and you see uh, a lot of them and hear a lot of them as well. Uh, Louis DeBrusque, uh, who was kind enough to uh, move his appearance from yesterday to today so we could get... Uh, the new Hall of Famer Kevin Lowe on the show, Louie coming down in 29 seconds time, and Jack Michaels, my play-by-play partner on the Oilers Radio Network at 135. Reminder, you can text us. I'm going to get to some texts at about 122, 123 today on our Ashley Fine Floors text line at 7049600063. Ashley Fine Floors providing winning results for over 35 years. We're on uh, Twitter. At Oilers now, my personal handle is Bob underscore Stoffer, and Cody Jansen is at is it Janner thirty one? That's correct, Bob. See what eighteen years of post secondary education gets you, Cody. Strong memorization skills like that. That's Love why it. I didn't get it done in three years. All right, uh, off to the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline, and we're joined by the big man, Louis DeBras. Hey, Louis, how you doing? Today, Bob, how are you doing? Good. Thank you for moving your appearance uh, yesterday, so we could uh, get Kevin on the show. Um, I know you you yourself would be very excited about the addition of Kevin Lowe in La- the Hockey Hall of Fame. Yeah, very excited for him. I think it's uh, it's overdue, and I think that he's finally getting that recognition that he deserves. And you and I have talked about this a number of times on the show over the years, Bob. Just you know how important he was to the team and that dynasty in the 80s that won five Stanley Cups and then he won another one with the New York Rangers. You know, I've spoken a lot about, you know, my personal experience with Kevin and just what he meant to me early in my career coming in as a veteran player and just kind of showing you the ropes, you know, and I think that's, you know, something that you never forget as a young player, veteran players that take you under their wing and just make you a part of their team, which that Oiler team back in the day, all of those those guys that were around for those Cups just seemed to have that mentality of, you know, when you bring new people on board, you welcome them, you teach them the right way, 
said they play the right way, and that, to me, sums up Kevin Lowe, is that he played the right way. He was tenacious, he was competitive, and, you know, we judge toughness in a lot of different ways, but I, I honestly have never played with anybody that could play through more pain than Kevin Lowe could play through. And a lot of times you wouldn't even know that he was hurt. That's the amazing thing. It's one thing to play through injuries and play at 60 70%, but it's another thing entirely to play through injuries and play up to your standard. Um, and that's what he was able to do on so many different occasions. So very happy to see him in there. I think it's a worthy thing, and I, I just think that uh, – you know what, now we can have that conversation about the four going up into the Raptors at, you know, Rogers Place because I think that's long overdue as well. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and in fairness, that was part of the standard that was set uh, by Kevin Lowe during the time that and, and he mentioned Patrick LaForge on yesterday's show. Uh, I brought this up with uh, George LaRock, who joined us yesterday, uh, about the different aspects that you need for a team and you know you don't see a lot of the uh great plain fighters i mean you, clark gillies is in the hockey hall of fame he was the captain of the new york islanders and i mean he was a 30 goal scorer that could beat the hell out of you that scared guys the only guy ever really there's two guys that kind of su- surprised uh, well one of them was definitely a, a surprise uh, and our texters and listeners can check it out uh, right now bob paradise that played for the pittsburgh penguins he was an american kid and he caught gillies and that can happen once in a while he caught gillies with a pretty good one uh and the other guy uh was ben wilson who i who, <laughs> <laughs> even yeah, towards the end of his yeah, he, he was, was he was tough. But, uh, you know, Clark Gillies is in the Hockey Hall of Fame. But George talked a bit about Bob Probert. You know, he had that 29-goal, 398-penalty-minute season in which he had 21 yep. points in 16 playoff games. And, and and George's comment was, look, I don't – like, hey, I'm a fighter, so I'm going to speak about the fighters. But those guys played significant roles on great teams. John Ferguson with the Montreal Canadiens. Dave Semenko, uh, the late great Dave Semenko with the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, and and, and that is true. I mean, it's an, it's an interesting discussion, isn't it? Interesting debate. It is, and I've had the same debate. And, you know, I've actually had that debate with some, you know, pretty prominent players, too, over the years, just saying – when you're talking about the Hall of Fame, and I understand it's the elite of the elite, but also for me, there's there should be a category in there even for characters of the game, you know, just people that were just so popular and famous for the way they played. And I think you should include tough guys into that mix. Now, that's a, it's a long shot. I know it's probably never going to happen, but if it did happen, there's a bunch of guys that I could name off the top of my head that certainly would be some of the first that would be up for that nomination. But... Yeah, and, you know, defensive defensive defensemen, defensive forwards. You know, Bob Ganey's in the Hall of Fame. I talk about Craig McTavish a lot, too. And, you know, he's a guy that's won Stanley Cups and was a, played a vital role in the in the position he played in. Um, you know, where do you draw the line? It's, you know, I understand that there's Selkie trophies that, trophies that have been won there and there's certain, certain accolades that have happened to allow those players to be distinguished and be in the Hall of Fame. But how deep do you want to go down that list and, and put people in there? I do believe there's some people that are very worthy of being in the Hall of Fame that aren't. And eventually, you know, you hope that they get their, their nod and they get their, their name in there as well. But, you know, for this one, for me, this was a no-brainer for me. I know I'm close to it because I played with Kevin twice. I played with him before he went to the Rangers and then when he came back. Um, and, and, again, he had an impactful um, presence in that room for me i remember a lot of things i told you the story about him putting me through my first real vigorous bike ride and you know i had never done cardio up until that point like that and i just couldn't believe how hard we went on the bike that day and 
you know, he looked at me and said, when you're injured, that's how hard you have to work out to get back into the lineup and be at least at 80, 90 percent so that you can then go through the motions to get back into playing shape because there's nothing to compare to being on the ice. And, you know, listen, you know how competitive Kevin was. And I I think people, you know, (laughs) I mean, he's got he's got a short fuse. This guy bleeds the colors and he has for four decades. You know, this guy, I almost got into a scrap with him in the press box for crying out loud because of a three stars pick. And. He's that passionate about the team. We got into an argument about it, and I laughed it off. The next day we looked at each other and we smiled because I just said, you know, that's exactly how he was as a player. He was going to stand up for his teammates. He was going to be vocal. He wasn't going to stand back. And in management, he was no different. He yelled at me the one night. I'm sure you remember this hit. I was watching. Uh, I'm on the air doing the postgame show watching, and you're you're looking over at me. You're you're like, hey, don't. Don't be afraid to jump in here and stop. Yeah, so listen to this. So we're playing. I'm with the Phoenix Coyotes at the time. We're playing the Oilers. And Dallas Drake absolutely blows up Boyd Devereaux. Crushes him with one of his patented open ice hitters. He was one of the best hitters in the league. And Kevin Lowe was behind the bench at that time, and he absolutely snapped. And, you know, I knew it, though. I stood there, and I'm like, hey, Kevin, like, like, listen, if something has to be done, I understand it. But, like, the guy's still on the ice. I didn't, you know, I didn't hit him. I'm like, I'm looking at him saying, listen, we understand. I know Boyd. He's a friend of mine. I don't want to see him get hurt. But he just, you know, he had that passion, that competitiveness that went just to a whole new level. But that's why he was a winner. I truly believe that's why he was a winner and why he – you know, was able to be a part of six Stanley Cup teams uh, right. because uh, he had that passion and he had that belief that they were going to win. And all those guys back in the 80s, I mean, that was when you talk to those guys, which you have done, you've talked to them all, they didn't think they were going to win. They believed they were going to win. They had to win. It wasn't It wasn't an option for them. Losing was like, you know, it was so, it, so disgusting to them that when they came back, they wanted to win again. And that's why they were such a dynasty, one of the best teams. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I believe the best team of all time when you put them all together. But, uh, you know what, good for him. I'm really pumped for him to go in there, and I think it's been long overdue. Yeah, just to clarify, I thought you were going to talk about the night you picked the Stars against St. Louis, and yeah, this is when we were in the old. Bu- yeah, <laughs> yeah you're, we were in the old building, and your booth and my booth were within about 15 feet of each other, and Kevin was between the two of us. And uh, Barrett Jackman got a star that night, and he was he was trying to run Taylor Hall's show, he was, and he was he was pretty effective in the game. You got to admit, he was he was effective in that game. And I was, you know, maybe a little young, but I said, you know what, the guy was impactful in this game. I talked about him a lot. I know. Probably more than I should have talked about them. I'm not going to lie. And uh, nobody really did anything. And I will say they went out and addressed toughness after that. And that was a team that had Steve McIntyre and Justin. It was after it was after that. Yeah, it was after that that they uh, said, hey, we got to start protecting. uh, And you know what? Guys didn't get pushed around as much. And I think that was a good thing. But you know what? Um, I knew it was coming. I mean, I looked at him and I knew where he was coming from. It wasn't. (laughs) You got to remember, it was just two old teammates going at it. And I was like, you know what? I can totally respect that because I've seen that before. I know that he's a passionate guy and he's going to stick up for his team. He's not going to mess around. And I think people maybe 
um, misunderstand him sometimes in that regard. They don't know him well as how passionate he is about the Oilers. He has bled those colors for a long time. Well, he has. And the one thing that people maybe don't, you know, and I know that people got upset by a comment that he made uh, when the change was made when Steve Tambellini uh, was removed as general manager. But I will tell you that there are certain people, Louie, uh, that if they play in the NHL, if you didn't make it to the NHL, you're irrelevant in any conversation about hockey. They, they, you can't possibly have an idea or concept that uh, may have any legitimacy whatsoever. And I will tell you that Kevin was open-minded to uh, outside uh, perspectives. Um, he was actually ahead of his time analytics-wise uh, and, and was more open than some other people that may have been around the organization as analytics took off. So let's go 2008 to about 2012. Um, he may have been more open-minded than some other people that were working for the team at that time. And, and um, you know, he, he, the other thing is him and Mac T and th- those guys, they bled it and they've lived it. And they, they stayed here. They settled down here. They could have easily, you know, we've got a lot of people that have moved along. And, uh, and, and they're still going to have their detractors, and that's fine. That comes with the territory. But uh, there are guys that loved Edmonton, and I got a lot of time for people that care uh, about the city and care about Northern Alberta. So I'm always going to I'm always going to be defensive uh, in those situations on that front. Even though I love to have animated conversations with Mac T about how he coached, and I still maintain, <laughs> I still, as you know, and I still maintain the best job he uh, he did. Everybody's like, oh, they got to the final in 06. That was not the best job Craig Matavish did. The best job Craig Matavish did was in 2008 when the team had suffered significant injuries and they closed like a house on fire. He went it because he the team forechecked differently in the final 25 games that year. He let the young guns go get that. That's when Gagne was playing with Cogliano and Bobby Nielsen at the end of the year. He got outside of how he traditionally coached because he knew he had to with the group that he had. And I admired that about Matt Tina. I thought he did a better job coaching at the end of that season than he did getting the team to the seventh game of the Stanley Cup final. All right, so we talked a bit about the fact, uh, Louis DeBrusque, you know, do we need to look at expanding the size of the of how many Hall of Fame players get admitted each year? We've gone from six to 32 teams in the NHL yeah. here when, once we play in that, uh, that beautiful new green arena in Seattle in a couple of years. No, I, I understand what you're saying. That's just a lot more players that are coming through the system and more retired players, maybe, sure. I, I would have no problem with that. It certainly is a distinguished group, and that's what makes it what it is, right? I don't think you ever want to lose that. And that's why the discussion we had earlier on, too, is how far do you want to go with who you're going to allow into the Hockey Hall of Fame? Because it should be put up on a pedestal. I mean, you should be really special to be in there, in my opinion. That's just that's just my opinion. But, but at the same time, because you say there's so many more teams and so many more players, it's way more difficult now with the number of players in the National Hockey League to stand out. So if you're standing out in the new era of hockey, you're really standing out. I mean, you're a special player. So, yeah, I, I, but I do think those players are going to get their recognition, and over the years we've seen that, and they're starting to put people in there that should be in there. And It's, it, it's a process, and it takes time. Um, could they speed that up a bit? Absolutely. I think they could speed it up with maybe one or two more a year and just make it a bigger group that goes in each year for a certain number of years to try and catch up and then maybe go back to a different format. We'll see. I mean, they're pretty stuck in their ways. I will say that. They're not going to change a whole lot, but uh, that's what makes it what it is. It's a very elite, special group to get into the Hockey Hall of Fame, and 
Um, listen, it's uh, it's cherished ground. We went there. We were in Toronto. We walked around there. We all went there the one day, and we were walking around. And every time you go in there, uh, last year we went through. It's just you know, it brings you right back to your childhood. Lots of memories, players you see. Um, you can walk around in there for hours, and all you're going to do is imagine and relive some situations that you remember from those days and certain players. And it's just a special, special place. And um, like I said, it's it's an amazing achievement to have your name put in there. And again, congratulations to Kevin Lowe. Louie, it appears as though the Hub Cities may be a bit of a moving target. Uh, Elliot Friedman reported in the previous uh, half-hour block that uh, he believed the players had okayed Vegas and Vancouver. Vancouver pulled out yesterday. Uh, Vegas has had a significant COVID uh, increase here that has to be concerning. You have a son that is in the National Hockey League with the Boston Bruins. It's playing for a contract. The Bruins are a team that can win the Stanley Cup. I just want to ask you one question, just in terms of the actual virus. Um, what's your impression, and your former player in the league, of how concerned the players would be about where the virus is, is sort of uh, percolating sort of in the, in, in the worst-case scenario versus the best-case scenario? Is that a factor for a player decision-making process? Absolutely. How can it not be? But put yourself in that situation. I mean, I know there's a lot of there's there's a lot of people that have different takes on the virus, and I understand that. But let's let's not kid ourselves. I mean, it was very high. It dropped off. It looked like we had it under control to a certain degree, and now there's been spikes again in a lot of different places around North America and the world. So it's concerning because those numbers are starting to go back up again. It's not plateauing. It's not leveling out and going. Is this the second wave that everybody's been talking about? So these are things that are all going to creep into your mind, and that's just any person that's going to creep into your mind, let alone people, hockey players, that are being asked to go put themselves into a group environment, into a bubble. And, you know, who's going to be working these hotels? Who's going to be working the rink staff? Who's going to be the people that are driving them to and from? Are all those people going to be quarantined every day? Are all those people going to be in the bubble? There is going to be outside people that are penetrating that bubble at certain stages where you're never 100% that you're not going to get the virus. I'm sorry, it's impossible. So I think that the concern is real, and I think that's something that a lot of players are thinking about. And now that it's come back again, I think the concern um, grows again. But at the same time, I think that the NHL has been pretty um, solid in their stance. They're going to continue to try and push through this, do it the right way, quarantine people that do get positive tests coming back um and once they're ready to come back to the team they can come back and they're hoping i think that this you know training camp session in their own cities can kind of weather that to a certain degree and then once they get into the hub cities and into the bubble they can contain it even more again i'll say they're never going to be able to contain it 100 percent. but if you can keep it isolated to a certain percentage um maybe it can work i mean listen i told you earlier when it started the numbers started to really improve my numbers as far as percentage of them going back started to go up into almost a 70 80 percent i'm yep. back to 50 50 again now i really am I, i'm wow. just being honest i'm back to 50 50 and only because we're starting to see those those cases come out i want nothing more than the hockey to come back because as we've talked about that tells me it should tell us anyway that things are moving in the right direction for our for our world, not 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 just hockey, but for our world, uh, we'll have to we'll have to see how this goes because when everybody does get back to their respective cities and they start training and they're in close proximity, and the numbers go up from number of people that are in dressing rooms on the ice together, it'll be interesting to see what the numbers are then, and that's going to be really telling. And we'll cross our fingers and hope that when they get to that stage, it's under control. Louis, tonight was supposed to be 
the NHL draft in Montreal, one of the great hockey cities. Don't have to like their uh, politicians, but you can certainly love their hockey fans. You worked the draft show the last several years. I mean, Connor McDavid went number one on this day back in 2015. A little bit bummed out that we're not doing a draft show right now? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think people, yeah, for sure. You know, listen, that's... Uh... You know, was looking forward to going to Montreal this summer, and uh, you know, we had a good trip there this year again. We had some good eats, and that's always a good place to go out and socialize and have a good time and and a good a good meal. You know, and I, you know, I love Montreal. When I go there, it's just a real vibrant, exciting city, and it would have been would have been cool to to do the draft there, and it would be today. But uh, unfortunately, that's not the plan anymore, and it's changed, and everybody's plans have changed over the last four months. So we uh, we have to just keep. You know, moving forward and and accept the unaccepted. You know, we have to kind of just learn to adapt to this kind of stuff. But no question, that would have been fun, and that would have been a great time, and I'm sure we would have had fun. Are you uh, any part of the draft lottery show tonight, or is that for down further down the road when the actual draft takes place? No, I'm not a part of it. As far as I know, anyway. <laughs> yeah, so. Surprise, Debrusk, you're on it. I'm not going to uh... hold my breath, but uh, no, I think uh, I think they've got that covered. All right, awesome stuff. Hey, Louie, have a great weekend. Okay, take care, bud. You bet. That is Louie DeBras from NHL Hockey and Rogers on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. Brent Ridge Ford out in Wetaskiwin. Well, you know, there's an old saying, right? Cars cost less in Wetaskiwin. But outstanding customer service is also a key to business. And Brent Ridge Ford is a nine-time President's Diamond Award winner for customer satisfaction. They'll provide you with outstanding service at the time of the purchase, and they'll continue that standard of service after the sale as well. Let Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford lend a hand by calling 1-877-477-3673 or visit BrentRidge.com. We are going to head off to a global news weather traffic update at one thirty with Eileen Bell and come back with Jack Michaels from the Oil. Oilers Radio Network. You're listening to Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.